Welcome to The Hammer and Quill, a Bonhoeffer House podcast exploring the good, the true, and the beautiful in the lives and vocations of interesting people, friends of ours. This is episode 19, an interview, a conversation with Christine Gillette. Christine's a friend of ours. Christine, welcome to The Hammer and Quill. We are so glad to have you on here today. We're going to be talking about your uh, your life now, your calling, how you navigate your own sort of commitments in the world in faithful ways to God. We're also going to be talking some about uh, the ministry that you founded as a college student. You did, you know, when I was in college, how old were you when you founded Freedom Four Two Four? Nineteen. Nineteen. You know, when I was nineteen, I wasn't founding things. Yeah, <laughs> I think I might have founded like a madden yeah yeah like a video game yeah or like a a fantasy football league i founded a fantasy football league when i was 19 and uh and it was it was nothing so uh so we're getting excited to get into this talk some about how it is that you did that it really some of the nuts and bolts of it but uh, before we do we've had uh, we're we, we took a break for a while and we came back last episode we had an interview with shelby abbott we talked about his new book doubtless um, I had an embarrassing moment in that podcast. I had to go back and re-listen to it because I edit the podcasts. And um, I was thinking about how embarrassing it was that I called Battlestar Galactica Starship Troopers. <laughs> okay. Yes, you did. And I was really tempted to just cut the whole part out. But I didn't. Yeah. It was it was a fun moment. Yeah. Of- I hate embarrassing moments. I hate when I do stuff like that. But it happens. But I mean, you embarrassed yourself in front of like the the nerds, right? Oh, that's that's kind of mean. <laughs> but you're I, calling people that like I'm, Battlestar Galactica nerds. Well, I'm putting myself in the category of like fantasy, like that's right. Adventure. You read books that are called like uh, uh <laughs> like uh, what? What are they called? <laughs> Like the Wing Rider Chronicles. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> yes, I read books. For what it's worth, that would have been lost on me. That mistake, you could have just... Yes, well, it. okay, so great. So No idea. I think that's what he's trying to say. That yes, <laughs> thank no, I you, appreciate Christine. That. That is also, exactly. also, another uh, fun thing that's happened since our last podcast is I turned 40. Yes. I turned 40 wow. and... Wow. You said, wow, like that's like, whoa. <laughs> It's wow, a, that's a so old. That's great. <laughs> wow, wow, I didn't realize you were that old, Jesse. <laughs> wow, man, that wow. is old. I turned 40, and the worst part about it is I was sick. Being sick in 2020 is terrible. Mm. And then to be sick when you turn 40, it's like, well, nobody can even <laughs> roast me or let alone give me any gifts. And now they all think I'm dying. They don't want me around. I'm like a dead man walking zombie it was just a cold by the way i, I did do a covid yeah, test you got tested i did a co has it, have either of you guys gotten a covid test christine yep, you have I've gotten them twice uh no. negative both times yep great how was it for you was it weird having that thing shoved all the way in your brain you know thankfully both times that i got my and now i guess this one is less um accurate but i've just gotten the nasal one so it's not the nasal pharyngeal that goes all the way back to your throat <laughs> So it was pretty effortless, but my blood pressure the first time was like through the roof. Cause I watched a YouTube video on the legit one beforehand and they were like, wow, are you nervous about something? I was like, yeah, I'm nervous about this test. Yes. But they were like, nope, it's just the, the easy nasal one. Mine was, um, 
my blood pressure was through the roof too. They were like, wow, this is really high. But that's just because you're 40. I was like, well, I'm turning 40 in a few days. You know what, Michael? I'm not going to say it. And they, ha- I mean, they did the one that went like all the way in. Yeah. It was really far. It was like, like my eyes just, it was like I was weeping. But I, not, listen, let's back up. I wasn't like weeping because I was like, ouch. It just was uncontrollable. Yeah. Yeah. Uncontrollable. Tears just come. Tears just come sometimes, actually. They touch the, they touch the tear, tear part of your the brain. The tear part. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. They touch the tear release Activate. button. Yep. Yeah. Activated it. <laughs> All right. Well, we are we are here on the Hammer and Quill talking about the good, true, and beautiful. And really, Christine, what we want to do is look through the lives of people uh, and through through them walking out their vocations and faith. As a matter of fact, uh, I love what we're doing because I love the idea that God, as First Corinthians seven seventeen tells us, that God has uh, he's he's in a sense ordained where we are, who we're with, what we're called to do, and really our job is to be as faithful as we can where he's called us. And so we're excited to see how you've been faithful and are being faithful to the best that you can. And, and really we're trying to look through the lens or the glasses of Philippians 4, 8, which says, finally, whatever's true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent. If there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And we want to take some time and stop and look at your life, your vocation, in a Philippians 4, 8 kind of way to, to really see the good, true, and the beautiful in what you've done and what you're doing. And so we wanted to have Christine on because she's formerly a member of Valley Bible Church, where I now serve as the executive pastor. I uh, got to know her and her husband, Michael, a bit back then before they moved away. Uh, before she came to Valley Bible Church, Christine founded a nonprofit ministry called Freedom 424. And I don't want to give away too much about it because I want to let Christine, tell the story and and uh, about Freedom 424. But we wanted to have her on to hear about how she built a phenomenal ministry as a 19-year-old while Michael and I were building fantasy football leagues and uh, Madden tournaments. And how, you, how really how she discerned God's calling to do that, how she's discerned and walked out God's calling for her life since then. So we want to welcome you, Christine. And really, we what we do for all of our guests, we ask the same question. And it's really kind of meaningless for most of them. So we'll probably have to <laughs> probably have to explain what we mean, but we're still sticking with it. And the question is, what would be on the back of your baseball yes. card? You know, I got to listen to a few of the episodes and I just went to like Trillia, Dr. Oh yeah, Pryor, the best ones. Okay, okay. And I loved mm. how this kind of went <laughs> after you asked, because I could tell Trillia was like, is he asking my like age and my vitals? Do you want to know how much I weigh? Cause weigh, cause that's really inappropriate. (laughs) This is weird. So back of my baseball card, I guess would be, um, Jesus follower, um, a wife. I've been married to Michael for 10 years. We just had our 10 year anniversary a couple months ago and we have three kiddos. Uh, they're, six, Harper's six, Ellie is five, and Zeke is three. And we have one on the way, actually, coming in March. Should be like the height of coronavirus, round two. <laughs> no, it's going away. It's going so, away. It's gone. It's gone. Okay, I like that. Um, yeah, we live in Indianapolis. Um, we're really involved in our church. We go to um, College Park Church here in Indianapolis. And um, I think that's about it. 
That's great. That's great. Yes, that's perfect. And uh, so exciting to have a fourth on the way. I love the name of your kids, by the way. Harper, did you guys, did I walk in on you guys talking about, is that at all inspired by Harper Lee? Yeah, um, that's my favorite book, has been for quite some time. Um, And I've always liked the name, um, even without that, but um, Mm. yeah, I was telling Michael, we kind of, I kind of like a lot of the names from that book, but we, we, we decided to cut it off at Harper. So we don't have an Atticus. No Atticus on the way. A deal running around here or anything, Mm. but we were tempted. <laughs> well, I like, I love the fact that one of your favorite yeah. books is about justice really. And, and the name of your, your oldest is related to that book and that passion for justice and doing justice in the world. And so, uh, so really we want to know about that. Tell us a little bit more about how you, uh, really maybe let's start with now. So what, what do you do now? What's your vocation now? What, what, how is, what has God called you to in Indianapolis? Yeah. So really my main gig and the one that I um, am most proud of right now is, is raising our kiddos. I mean, they're at a very young age. My second just went to kindergarten uh, this year and we had them close together. So we have a first grader and a, and a kindergartner um, and then Zeke, of course. So that's, that's my main deal. And I love it. Um, I, I work on the side. I, uh, edit dissertations for APA, which is very exciting. That sounds so definitely changing the world. So <laughs> exciting. <laughs> it's great. Um, so yeah, I started doing that. I've, I've, ever since I've been a stay-at-home mom, I've done something kind of on the side, just kind of to exercise a, a different part of my brain. But yeah. my main gig um, is definitely being a stay-at-home mom right now. And so um, really enjoying enjoying this season. That's awesome. Yeah, that's great. And, and as a matter of fact, that really highlights uh, what we want to be about here, which is that that God is honored in a variety of different ways, a variety of different callings. And in fact, uh, we talked, um, who was it that we had on where we talked about the fluidity of vocation? I'm, I'm was that Trillia? No, we should know this. We should know this. Well, anyway, the, 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 you know, the idea that vocation, which comes from the Latin vocare, which just means to call or call. Uh, vocation really involves a, uh, a a connection with our Lord who can give us marching orders, you know, every day is different. And so, mm-hmm. uh, so there's a, there's a sense of fluidity there, even down to the fact that uh, even as you know, you're called to be a mom and a, and a wife, uh, you know, God might say, hey, change the world by editing dissertations, yeah. which <laughs> has to be a, a virtuous uh, a virtuous calling because I've tried to read one dissertation and I was like, no, I love you, but I don't want to read this anymore. <laughs> Someone who's poured their life. Yeah. Into. I know that the last five years of your life was just poured into this, but it's, it's really not fun. It's, I'm going to go watch some Netflix. I'm going to go found another fantasy football league. <laughs> Well, we uh, can you can you tell a little bit about the story of founding Freedom Four Two Four? So, you know, feel free to run with this anywhere you want to run. Tell us yeah. what Freedom Four Two Four is. Uh, talk yeah. about how how it is that you got involved and what what the Lord did in you to bring that about. I'd love to know yeah. where where the name came from as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, so my sophomore year of college, um, actually, it was the summer before my sophomore year of college, um, I went on my first missions trip 
um, to Thailand. And I went on behalf of the church that I was going to um, in Lynchburg, Virginia. And I was kind of on the, the missions team that they had. And, and they wanted to get involved in the sphere of human trafficking, sexual exploitation, and partner with an organization working um, in that realm. And so I went, we kind of did a lot of research trying to find a really good organization that was Christ-centered, um, doing a very holistic work as far as providing a whole pathway to freedom to women who would be um, able to leave the sex industry. And so we found this organization in uh, Bangkok, Thailand called the Home of New Beginnings. And I went that summer really just to kind of vet the organization on behalf of our church and just to before we made it an official partnership, just to kind of dot the I's and cross the T's and make sure everything was legit and, you know, that they were doing what it looked like they were doing. And, and so I went for that summer, I went with my friend Jackie. And so of course I went on behalf of my church, but another part of, of my story here was that I um, had been researching human trafficking, sexual exploitation, and honestly was just shocked by it. And part of me wanted to go to be like, this is really happening because um, I heard these statistics and they broke my heart. And if it was happening, then it was like, we got to do something about this. We have to let people know about this. This is not okay. And so I honestly went partially out of curiosity and to see what this was like. And, and I was just shocked when I went there, I, I assumed that it would be this very hidden evil, you know, where you go down this certain street and you find this third door on the right and knock four times and there's something really bad happening there, you know? Mm. And it wasn't like that. It was bright lights in your face, um, just bar after bar after bar in these what are called red light districts where um, it's just a population of um, thousands of women who are for sale. They actually wear numbers on the little bit of clothing that they're wearing so that their customers can choose them, mm. like items off a menu. And so um, this particular area that we went actually serviced a Western population. And so I would be going into these um, bars is what they were and would be sitting next to men from America, from England, from Australia, um, who, who go on these trips um, just for the, this purpose. And I just, I mean, I'm, I went to public school, but I'm about as, was as, sh as sheltered as they come. And I couldn't believe that this was actually happening. And, you know, in Thailand, they have to legally be 18 to work there, but they can just say that they're 18. So many of these girls are underage. So I'm looking at these girls who are my age, who are younger, who are in high school, who are even my mom's age, every one of them. I saw somebody that I knew, you know, in their mm. eyes. And it just was like, oh, this is, this is not okay. Yeah. And um, you know, I, I learned what it, why these women went into this and what forced them into it. A lot of times it is a choice. Um, and yet it's, it's the last choice. There's a society of, you know, you're the oldest mm. child, you, you, you provide for your family and the family incurs debt. And all of a sudden it's like the one thing that they can do to bring honor to their family is to provide some mean of money, um, means of money. And so, um, and certainly there's also, you know, co coercion and there's people that are forced into it or sold into it. But um, it, it was amazing to me and uh, just heartbreaking to me to see women um, that would that would choose this as a last means of survival. I mean, that was like so far from my reality back home, you know, where I'm like, Ooh, what classes should I take next fall? Mm, yeah. um, to, to then 
compare that with the reality of these girls. And so, um, although I went there that um, summer for the purpose of, you know, just connecting my church with them, it, it immediately became something that I knew I would carry with me for the rest of my life. And I felt like God allowed me to see this evil and to, um, to not just see the evil, but then to see these women and to hear their stories and to know, like, we're not so different. And yet they have this completely different trajectory than I do. And, and so I didn't know exactly what I would do with this, but I knew I wanted, there were two things that I, I knew had to happen. One was, this was 12 years ago. And so in this arena, I feel like, I think the Lord, like there has been so much more awareness that's been made. People know that, you know, people are for sale now and, yeah. and they're not okay with that. Um, I would say 12 years ago, it was just beginning to become like, really, this is, this is an issue in our world. That's definitely my, my memory of talking with you about it, which probably was around eight or nine years ago. And, uh, mm-hmm. and, and I, I, it's not as though I hadn't read things or, or heard of things, but it certainly seemed to be a much smaller and more distant and, and uh, almost minor uh, injustice in my kind of conception of how the world works and what's happening yeah. around. Yeah. So I remember talking to you and, and just having that same, you know, experience of really? Like, yeah, uh, that's, exactly. Th- this is that much of a reality? Uh, yes. Yeah. Like this is happening like yeah. now today. Yeah. Um, and so, so from that, I knew that the awareness piece was really important. People needed to know that this was happening. But then I also, I spent this summer with this incredible organization, the Home of New Beginnings, um, run by this woman who was a retired school teacher. She just happened to be there actually with her husband who, um, have you heard of the National Prayer Breakfast yes. that is held in D.C.? So he was in charge of the whole Southeast Asia region. Mm. And so he would kind of meet with dignitaries and just kind of, um, he ended up moving there because of that job. And so she was just there, you know, had kind of had her time as a, as a school teacher and was there for retirement and was confronted with this issue and she had to do something immediately. And so she's like in her seventies starting this incredible organization, just beginning who, who knew, you know, um, the, the work that God had called her to. Mm. And so, so the other part of it was not just the awareness, but like, here's an amazing organization that a lot of people don't know about. And they're, they're extremely underfunded. I mean, the, the stories that she would tell, I, I liken to like Mueller who, who would just like pray for the food for that yeah. day for his orphans, you know? And like, I mean, she was in the middle and and in this position where only God could provide. And he did month after month, like in just miraculous ways. And, and so, but I thought, man, what if we could raise awareness and then connect people directly to this organization? They can go there, they can serve there, they can um, help fund the work that they're doing and bringing freedom and justice and restoration to, to victims of human trafficking, sexual exploitation. And so, um, that's kind of what I wanted to do and my vision for it. And this is no joke. I love talking about the story of freedom 424 because my vision for it was pretty small. Honestly, I, I thought of a t-shirt fundraiser. So like who hasn't been part of a t-shirt fundraiser in their lives? You know, that's so manageable. That's so like, I have enough faith for a t-shirt fundraiser. No problem. (laughs) (laughs) And so what we did is we had a design contest and we got this logo that said freedom 424 and Michael, to your question, 
the reason that I wanted to call it Freedom 424 is because I saw women being purchased for about $24 mm-hmm. and I couldn't mm-hmm. wrap my mind around that a human being made in the image of God could be sold day after day. I still, I still get teary thinking about it yeah. for $24. You know, it was such an accessible number as a college student. That's like whatever, you know, a tank of gas or, mm. you know, everybody always relates things to Starbucks, which I'm always like, can we use a different analogy? Cause I really need my Starbucks. Yeah. Starbucks um, is fine. Yeah. And Starbucks is fine. But, um, you know, such an, <laughs> such an accessible number that was being used for evil. Yeah. What if we used it instead to bring freedom, that same amount of money and, and give that money then to the home of new beginnings to help them keep doing what they're doing and bringing freedom yeah. and justice. And so that's what we did. It was just a t-shirt. We slapped that logo on there. We, um, we did end up having another design, you know, we had no money. So we're like, who can do things for free? And so we got a a website, um, that a a class at Liberty, actually, they, they had like their own contest for a website. And then we started selling these t-shirts for $24. And my whole goal with this t-shirt fundraiser was to support or was to provide money for this one event that home of new beginnings does every year. And they had actually only done it one year. The time that I was, when I was there in 2008, they had um, only done this one year so far, but what they do is in the beginning of December, they invite hundreds of girls to this party, this Christmas party, and they honor them. They, you, you Mm. would go and you would think, my goodness, these are like almost like kids games. Like they would play like musical chairs and they would do these uh, Oriental trading company crafts and, and have an amazing meal and um, hear the message of salvation of the gospel through um, an evangelist that they would bring. And it was just this one night off that these women would have, uh, many of them who never really had a childhood. And I think that's why they loved these types of games. And it was a very expensive night because they would actually pay the bar fine, which was what they had to pay to get the girl out uh. of the bar for the night. Um, and, you know, there, I know there's two sides of that. Like, are you supporting the sex industry by paying for that bar fine? But the other side of it is that that was the only way to, to get mm-hmm. them out of that environment for an evening and um, kind of a necessary evil in that sense. Um, but just this incredible night, usually from that night, um, some women would decide that they'd be able to leave the sex industry mm-hmm. that very night. And they all, they would hear all that they would have to offer at home of new beginnings Um, some of them would go back to the sex industry. I'll never forget a woman who I met the year that we went back for the Christmas party and we were able to pay for that whole party that year. Um, she said, I have to go back. She came up to me with tears in her eyes, holding a Bible that she just got. She said, I have to go back. I have to provide for my family, but I have hope now. Mm. And it was just like, okay, that's that. If all that we've ever done was for that, it was worth it. Mm -hmm. Um, so that was kind of my, my vision for it was like, let's pay for this one Christmas party and people would end up knowing about it. People would get connected to freedom or to a home of new beginnings, like done. <laughs> and God had bigger ideas for it. And I truly, I don't mean to sound, sound cliche when I say that, like, I am not a leader. I, I am the sort of person who just like, if there's a roadblock, I'm like, well, we tried, like we're done here. <laughs> you know, I, I'm not like, around. I can't like, okay. I mean, even throughout this coronavirus, I'm like, I'm so glad that I'm not like in any kind of church ministry or, or school administration because so many just hard times during this season of 
making it work. And I'm just so grateful for those who are in those positions mm. and I want to encourage them and, but be grateful that I'm not there. Um, so anyway, this started to become like this thing that people wanted to do more and to give more beyond the $24. And so we're like, okay, like let's become a 501c3. I had no idea. I had never heard that before. What even a 501c3 was. Um, but you know, people, so we, we filled out that paperwork and we, we got our 501c3 tax exempt, exempt status, got together a board of directors, wrote, you know, bylaws. I had no idea what any of that was. And, um, God always was faithful to bring people along that were, that cared so much about this too, once they heard about it mm. and wanted to do whatever they could. And so, um, it just continued to grow, um, very quickly. We were like, you know what we're doing this whole, um, we're not doing the right thing. If we're painting this as a picture, painting this as a problem, that's just on these few streets of Bangkok, mm. Thailand. And, because that's not the case at all. You know, it looks like a certain way here. It looks like sex tourism um, and exploitation in that area of the world. But this is global. This is absolutely in Virginia. This is yeah. um, very much so happening in the United States. And and so quickly we were like, okay, we, we want to um, maybe just keep the same model. You know, there are Christ-centered organizations organizations doing a really good work being on the front lines in the trenches of bringing freedom and justice um, to victims and survivors of human trafficking and sexual exploitation what if we can be like this conduit mm. and find them and then connect people directly to them um, and so that's kind of what ended up happening is we became kind of like this we will always raise awareness um, and kind of be provide education and things like that but then Let's connect with Christ-centered organizations who are doing a really good job in their specific culture, whatever that looks like, um, and just be a support to them financially um, through bringing teams there. We have lots of trips that we offer. Um, but honestly, so much of this was then even after I wasn't even <laughs> a part of it, leading it. Mm. And so that's the whole thing we can, we can maybe get into, but it became this thing very, very quickly within the first couple of years where it was like, Lord, I love this work. I know that you care about this work of justice more than I ever could. Um, you also know how you've made me and how you've wired me. And I want to say yes to it as long as you want me to say yes to it. But also when somebody else can take the reins and take this to the next level who has you know, maybe a, a better a fit for growing an organization like this, because you're, you're the one that seems to keep growing it, mm. then I will gladly pass this off knowing that it's always been your organization and everything that has grown from it has been because of you anyway. Mm. And so um, he did, you know, so Jill was the first one who kind of took the reins next and poor girl. I mean, she, I had no systems in place. I had no, you know, and she just was like, she loved it. And she was, so passionate about it and and god has continued to bring along people you know a, a few presidents later it actually became a paid position and um this guy who was a uh, a lawyer and who went into law because of uh, his hatred of this issue mm. um he wanted to, to take the reins and he took it to this whole other level that i could have never imagined yeah. and he built this team and he started you know it just grew 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 and um, now it's, uh, it's, uh, you know, we're in, we're a global organization. We have domestic partners. We have, uh, 
uh, four or five full-time staff, lots of part-time staff. Um, and it's just become this thing that I look at and I'm like, God, you did, you did that. And I am so grateful that I got to watch it from the beginning, but my goodness, like, it's kind of just this amazing testimony of, of, of what God can do. Um, because I certainly, you know, didn't really have the leadership skills or desire to lead. And yet it became this thing that it was like constantly catching up with, with where it was going, you know? (laughs) I love that it started with a t-shirt drive. Uh And, uh, I can relate to that, (laughs) that experience of, um, of not knowing what a 501c3 is and bylaws and constitution and all that kind of stuff. And so I, I, I love hearing that story. And I think it's a really helpful reminder that at some point, you know, we're called to build things. Uh, but, but really we're, we're kind of, we're, you know, we're playing in the mud and God's the one that's building, you know, God's the one that's, that's making it happen. And so a few things though, that I would, I want to, uh, maybe go either go back into or at least highlight that I heard there, Michael, is uh, even before you started talking about free, the beginning of Freedom 424, you were talking about uh, uh, when, you, when you first went on that scouting trip and how uh, before you even went, you knew if this is real, yeah. if this is really happening, somebody's got to do something. Yeah. And I think there's something there that kind of... Uh, that sense of this is not the way it's supposed to be. And, and the, they're kind of looking around going, well, if no one's going to do anything, we, I got to do something about this. Yeah. And I think that that's a real, uh, you know, you might downplay your organizational leadership capacities, but, but that drive, that kind of fire in the stomach, the, the, um, the sense of uh, willingness to just put it on the line is indispensable, I think, when you, when you start something. And so, so I think, you know, having that, you know, even as if you're listening and you've got a sense of this is not the way somebody's got to do something about this, uh, that might be the beginning of God calling you to do something about it. Even if it's just as simple as I'm going to get some, somebody to donate their time to design. And by the way, is the logo designed by, by a free donation? Like, did someone design that logo? Just Yeah. So we actually, at our church, we had a, a design contest and we were like, you, if you win, you get a $50 gift certificate to wherever you want. And so we got like, you know, lots of designs, but I had in my mind something, I don't know if you guys remember the organization to write love on her arms. I do. Um, I loved their t-shirt. I remember seeing their t-shirt and being like, I don't even know what that's about, but I kind of want that t-shirt. And so I, I, in my mind, I was like, I kind of had an idea of, I wanted it to be something that would kind of be like, Hmm, what's that about? And so we got some designs and I actually worked um, at at Liberty at this, the uh, department of student activities. And I worked with a designer who had a really good eye for things. And I was like, Hey, Steven, can you, can you, you know, take a whack at this? And I still remember um, him sending his designs that he got. I got them on like Christmas Eve and opening them. And I was like, that is the logo. And um, so yeah, he got 50 bucks for it. He's he's fine. (laughs) It's such a great (laughs) logo. Honestly, it really is. And it does exactly what you just said, you know, uh, you know, I remember seeing it. As a matter of fact, I probably saw the shirt before I ever met you, uh, even at that point, which is pretty early on in the organization. But, but uh, to know that you did that for a $50 gift card, I mean, poor graphic designers everywhere. Like you could whip this up real quick, right? I know. <laughs> well, I love it. 50 bucks. You're lucky. <laughs> I do love, uh, you know, again, the, to highlight the, the sense of, and that's really part of the calling is, um, you know, here I am, Lord, you know, 
mm-hmm. use me. Uh, and, and then a, another thing that I want to highlight is it seems like that even as the organization grew, there remained a, a consistency with vision to, or with, uh, with really mission of uh, raising awareness and um, resourcing and connecting people with people that are on the ground doing the good work you know, finding them. And, and so even from the, cause that's how it started is you're, you're going there and you're going, Hey, let's see what they're doing here at the the home of new, new beginnings. That's right. And, yeah. le, and let's see if this is a, a worthy ministry to pour into and resource and, and partner with. And to hear that it's doing the same thing, just, you know, the scales bigger and bigger is uh, I think really part of part of how you, you know, it's just part of how you build a successful organization. Yeah. It's, I love that. That is how, you know, it was so small to begin with, but then it's such a, it's a model that can just kind of grow. And it has just by, I mean, it's a pretty simple model. You know, all we have to do is, is find these gospel centered organizations that are working in this arena and let's get on board and mm. connect people. Mm. I, I want to highlight as well. Um, I love, I love, uh, you know, Jesse mentioned you, you went on this trip, you saw this firsthand, saw this issue mm-hmm. that was going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so all of this began with, with a uh, sense of this isn't the way it's supposed to be. Someone's got to do mm-hmm. something about this. And uh, that seems so contrasted to, I want to build something that is really awesome. Like, mm. <laughs> let me build this organization. Uh, I don't really care what we do. You know, that, that's not where it started. It wasn't, it wasn't, let me see if I can build something that's going to last and be really great. Um, or give me a bigger platform or, or yep. make me famous or I'll become an influencer or something like that. Exactly. Exactly. It started with, he, here's this, this real world issue that I care deeply about. And it, and you, you mentioned over and over again, it, it's heartbreaking. It, it tear it tore you up to see what was going on, mm-hmm. and so starting from that place, uh, at least in my mind, I, I'm I'm curious to hear you talk more about this. But starting from that place seems seems in my mind to be what would allow you to say this this has gone beyond what I am capable of, and so God keep keep using me. And, and then when you want to bring somebody else in, you know, you mentioned when you want to bring somebody else in who can take this even further, uh, do it. Um, and so I'd love to hear you talk more about that attitude, that heart posture, how you were able to take something that you poured your time and energy in, into crafting and founding, uh, how you were able to say, I, I want somebody who's more gifted than me, uh, to, to, take this further. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Do you have thoughts or could yeah. you fill that in more for us? Yeah. I mean, I think I just, I think of the stories of the women that I met who, um, had, had found freedom and it just a whole new trajectory and their stories, you know, you, you go there and you see so much evil and the, the problem looks so vast and so huge. And like, oh man, there's so much work to do here. But then you meet these girls and you're like, that's a changed life. She's been rescued, redeemed and restored. And I want to be part of more stories like that. But keeping those stories frontline, first of all, helps, helps you to not be so overwhelmed by the enormity of the issue that it evaporates your empathy to do something about it. Um, And just to focus on like one more, one more life is worth it. And so I knew like, I, I, 
I think I became self-aware of my own limitations early on um, that it was like, it was almost like as soon as God can do this, I know that there are other people who have different giftings, who love leading, who love roadblocks because they can think about what to do, you know, <laughs> to get around them. Whereas I just know I'm not that way. Mm. And I think I, I struggled for a while with like, um, Lord, what's the difference between being out of my comfort zone and being a place where only you can do something where I have to trust in you. And that's a good place to be Yeah. versus like, I'm just out of, out of how you've created me and wired me. And yeah. I, and I, it took me a while to figure out how to navigate that. Cause I don't want to say no to something that, that God just wants to push me in, you know, yeah. and, and, you know, have me in a position where I trust him more. Um, but then at the other side of it, I'm like, I know that you've created me to be in more of a supportive role. Like that's where I am alive when I'm more in an encouraging behind the scenes. Like that's just, that's, mm. that's from him. Um, and so kind of, I've, I've had that, that, um, trying to, to balance between those two things. I don't know if you guys have any well, thoughts I, on that. It's definitely an evolving thing for me. Yeah, no, I, I have a, uh, more of a follow-up question. So it, you, as you're trying to navigate those, you know, the difference between this is just a, a challenge to my faith. I need to depend on the Lord and press in versus man, this is, uh, God has obviously created me not to not to do this, and and somebody else needs to do this, and I need to do something else. How yeah. how did you did you have ment- like a mentor that's yeah. helping you? Did you have a community of people that are going? Yeah, you're right. This is really not. You don't need to keep running your head into this. Uh, or did you just sense that you know as you internally. you know internally you know how God's made you? How, how did you navigate that? Well, I think that I tried to think of it more in like, okay, if there are singular events that God wants me to do. Um, so for example, I had the opportunity like four years ago to speak at Liberty at their convocation and it was about freedom 424. And I, I, I know that that should have just been nothing, but wow, thank you Lord for this opportunity. As soon as I found out, I was like, can somebody else do it? (laughs) Like that's just not my, my wiring. But I didn't want to say no to it because I understood why why I was the right fit for it as someone who went to Liberty and yeah. founded it during my time there. And um, and I knew that it was, I always think of um, the story in, in Joshua is actually, I, I heard this story afresh right the week before I was supposed to speak at Liberty, but I was just, you know, so full of nerves and like, oh, I don't like speaking in front of anybody, but let alone 8,000 people. Um and it was the story of when Joshua crosses uh, the Jordan uh, with with the priests of the twelve tribes, and and God doesn't part the water until the the soles of their feet got wet. <laughs> and I love that story because it's like God will do the miracle, but there is an element of like you got to trust in Him, you got to put your foot mm. in the water mm. and have faith, you know. And so for me, it was like singular events that I was asked to do where I could. Of course, I still like. Lord, do you want me to do this? Michael, is this a good fit for me? Is this going to take too much of my, Michael, my husband, sorry. Yes, you're not calling Michael my co-host here um, for advice. Um, my husband, like, is this a, a good fit for us? Is this going to cost too much of my thought capacity? And, I, and I'm not going to be able to give enough to my first calling right now, my family. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so we talk about those kinds of things. But it, in singular events, I want to say yes, if, if really it's only my pride that's at, at stake. Mm-hmm. However, for long-term things of like, um, of like, 
a job, you know, I feel like that's when it's okay for me to look at like, okay, this isn't how I've been wired. Yeah. This isn't how I've been gifted. I don't need to say yes to this for my vocation for right now. I'll still say yes to certain things, but how can I serve Freedom 424 right now in the ways that God has gifted me, which is much more like, I just love emailing, you know, the president or talking to the different employees and being like, thanks for what you do. Like I could, that was just so smart how you did that campaign. And I love the creativity here. And you know, that's what I love to do Mm. now. I Um, love that. I think that, that that's a profoundly helpful thing, even for me right now to think about the difference between a, uh, maybe an event or a singular obstacle or, or challenge versus a fittedness for a kind of line of work or a, a type of work and how on the one hand, it's okay to say, man, I'm not fit for this. Uh, but, but to, you know, when you come across a singular event, especially a singular event where what I stand to lose is my face, you know, I'll stand to lose pride, I, you know, yeah, which I, t- I personally like to avoid those. <laughs> And, uh, but yeah, but to be able to say, no, this is something that maybe I just need to step out. Even if I fail at this, because this is just an event, this is just a, yeah. a one particular thing. It's okay. If I fail, if I'm, if I've been faithful, I put my feet in the water, uh, and trust a God with it. Whereas you don't want to kind of run your organization into the ground because you're not fit for it. And you just keep pressing on right. and pressing on and pressing on. Yeah. That, that really right. stood out to me as well. Like on, on the one hand, you're saying if I if if all I stand to lose in in this one event is my pride, that's okay. These eight thousand people are gonna boo me. <laughs> yeah. You're the worst. <laughs> um, and and then and then on the other hand, if if I step into this role that that I'm maybe not wired for or not created for, uh, you're you're also in a sense giving up uh, a, a pride, giving up, um, but in a but in a really you know beautiful and, and lovely way, um, to say, I want to, I want to recognize, like, like you said, my own limitations. I want to rec- recognize the way that the Lord has gifted me, uh, and say it would be better if somebody mm-hmm. else stepped in. And yeah. that, that requires a, a, a degree of humility that I think is, uh, really only found when we're, when we're following after Jesus, um, in a, in a living and breathing way. So it's, uh, mm-hmm. such an encouragement to hear you talk about Hey, so we're, before we transition to our lightning round, I do have a couple more questions for you. So, at, you know, since you're a longtime listener, you know, we do a lightning round. We're going to ask you, <laughs> ask you a bunch of questions and, you know, ask you to respond re- quickly. But, you, you know, there's I want I have a couple more that I want to give you a little time with. One is this is, you know, what is something that people should know about sex trafficking, human trafficking, trafficking, sex exploitation uh, that that maybe we just don't know. You know, what's you mentioned that the awareness has been raised some, and I think that's true. There's more awareness, but there's still kind of a that's just some weird thing that happens somewhere else. And so, what's something we should know? Oh man. So first of all, one of the things that um, breaks my heart recently is there's been a lot of actually even even that story in Georgia. It was, it was misreported. There were 39 children who were missing or, or exploited or whatever that were found, but it was, it was within, I think, several states. Um, and so, and then another thing was, I don't know if you guys saw like the Wayfair conspiracy yes. a couple, like a month ago where yeah. it was like these cabinets that are for sale are actually like code for a child that's for sale. I don't even understand all the ins and outs. 
But there's a lot of misreporting and conspiracy, unfortunately, that is, is around this issue, in particular recently. And that really bothers me because, you know, when you see all this misreporting, you become desensitized to mm. the reality of that it is happening. Mm. And should one, should 39 make us more upset than one? <laughs> no, you know, and, and um, so just one thing I think, and, and Freedom 424 in our um, desire to provide awareness, um, we try to be really careful about putting lots of information to people um, that's accurate and that's vetted. And, um, you know, I, I love that stories like that one are reported. Um, it just, I, I can see people even like on my friends lists on, uh, Facebook who are like, Oh, this wasn't true. You know? And that's all that now people see is like, mm. that wasn't true. Well, actually there were 39 kids mm -hmm. and it was in, yeah, it wasn't in one double wide, but you know, it can distract from the yeah. reality of the issue. Um, so, but I would say like uh, a couple things. One is that this this is happening. Um, it's global. It's in Virginia. Um, I, another thing that I would want to say is that it is. We actually do have a part to play, and it feels like, like I said before, like such a, a huge issue. That what could what could I do? Um, I love quoting from people because. I, People always say things in a better way than I can, so I just get their. You're a people too. It, but, you're also a um, people. Edmund Burke. Okay. What I said, you're a people. You, <laughs> yeah. you have good words um, too. I have good words. Um, <laughs> Edmund Burke uh, once said, "There's no greater mistake than he who did nothing because he could only do a little." Mm. And so I love the idea of like we we often are so overwhelmed by the numbers that we're like, man, hope somebody does something about that, but. Yeah. There are so many organizations. Freedom 424 is just one of them that we try to give individuals um, a way to, to stand up against this, whether that's going on a trip, um, whether that is running a race, whether that's supporting um, our work. You know, we all have a part to play and it is going to take, we, we, we say at Freedom 424, it takes money to fight money. And this is a multi-billion yeah. dollar industry and it, it takes money to fight money and it's mm. evil. And um, so you know, we, we have a, a part to play That's and, good. um, yeah, those are two things that, that come to mind. That's good. I love when that. I like that. that quote that Edmund Burke, that person had a good quote. Yeah. That people, that, that person, <laughs> that reminds that me of, uh, one of my favorite, uh, <laughs> mottos for life. The quote from, uh, GK Chesterton, anything worth doing is worth doing poorly. Mm. You know, the point being, if it's worth doing, it doesn't matter if you're good or not, you just do it. You know, if, if, yeah. if God's try. called you to do it, just try, just go for it. Um, That's good. I like that. You know, so, so you mentioned that you kind of talked about this some in that answer. And so I'd love for you to go into this a little bit more. What, what kind of advice do you have for someone who wants to be more involved in doing justice, maybe especially around human trafficking, but isn't sure where to start? Mm -hmm. um, I would start, if you can, go on a trip. Um, there is something about... Uh, seeing the faces behind the numbers that will make it a life calling for you. If that's already the way God has inclined your mm. heart. And if, if you already have a desire and you, and there's something in your soul that says, this is not right. This is not mm. how God created it to be. Um, then that might be like you were saying an indication from God that this is something that you should give your life towards fighting. Um, and not necessarily as your whole calling for your life, but whatever you're doing plus standing for this, um, standing against this. 
Um, and I would say, you know, for me, I, I was so well read before I went um, on my on that trip in 2008. But all it took was was seeing one person and hearing one story and getting now those are the stories that are imprinted on my heart that make me still want to say yes to the to the opportunities that God gives me even when they're outside of my comfort zone yeah. um because they're they're worth fighting for and the to see these the stories of just complete redemption in these women in their lives it's just so exciting mm. and it, it makes me want to do it more so i would just say um, if you're looking for a, a place to go through, Freedom 424 offers trips. Even uh, we have a, a partner in West Virginia, Zara House, and um, they work with um, women who are exploited and, and trafficked in in the West Virginia area. That's um, good. Yeah, we, ha- so you we know, have. Sorry, we have a, we, a lot of our listeners are here in the Mid Atlantic area, and so yeah. so there's some legit real trips that we could take. Uh, right yep. here in our backyard, right across the state border. Uh, so, so yep. We'll, yep, that's that's great. So, Freedom Four Twenty Four still has. And, and if you go to the website, can you actually see mm-hmm. upcoming trips? Yep, yep. Um, and of course, this year there were some uh, setbacks with that with COVID. We were still able to do some, just a little differently or at less capacity and whatnot. But, but there are plans in the works. Um, you know, for more more trips every year. Um, and also we have, we have an annual freedom gala, um, this year, it's going to be available virtually as well as, as in Lynchburg over the course of three nights so that they can do social distancing. Mm. But, um, I would encourage people if you, if you're listening to, to hop onto that too, yeah. um, you can get together with a small group of people and host a party yourself virtually, mm. um, or just log on yourself. And, um, the focus this year is actually going to be on, on child sexual exploitation, um, in the, in the States in particular. So, um, we try to always have like a theme and, you know, a specific, um, way to raise awareness in a, of a specific area. So that's, that's the one for this year. That's excellent. So that's we, yeah, beginning of October. Okay. Beginning of October. And we will link to the freedom 424 website in the show notes. Please go on there, visit the website, look around, look at the, you know, the, the banquet information, upcoming trips and, uh, you know, as we transition to our lightning round, Christine, I want to ask you maybe one question mm-hmm. about family life, uh, and yeah. then we'll, and then we'll jump in here. So, um, can you tell us uh, maybe some of the best or most fun uh, family habits that you guys practice together? Mm-hmm. You got little ones in the house. You got a uh, busy doctor husband. What do you <laughs> What do you guys do for you know maybe one or two fun family habits? That's a good question. Um, I would say one of the things that I treasure most is just our, our evenings right before bed. You know, they have their routines of just brushing teeth and basic hygiene and stuff. But then um, we try to like slow down before it's bedtime and actually have, you know, time to either do uh, some devotions or, or just reading. We're, we're, we just started The Horse and His Boy last night, <laughs> the third in the Chronicles of Narnia. Um Man, you're so, starting. Uh, yeah, you're starting them young on that. I like that because how old is the oldest? Uh, six. Harper is six. Wow, I like that. Okay, good. So slow down. Yeah, I don't know. It's probably more for us than for them. I don't know how much they're getting, but <laughs> <laughs> we're starting. Excellent, excellent. Now let's jump into the lightning round. All right. So answer these as quick as you can. Real simple. Uh, first question is this: What's the book you've given most as a gift? You know, 
I was hoping you wouldn't ask this because I heard it in the other, um, <laughs> some of the other podcast interviews. I don't give gifts you a lot. Know, Honestly, I give magazines. Oh, good. There um, we go. I'm like what magazine? Honest. And I don't have my own book like everybody else that you interviewed that I can just give <laughs> this book that I whipped up last week. I don't have that. So um, not yet. Probably HGTV magazine or Magnolia. I'm sorry. That's just. That's Magnolia is the um, Chip, Chip, and Joe. Chip and Joanna. Yeah, that's cool. I like that. Yeah, I like right. them. They're legit. Excellent, excellent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's perfect. So, uh, what's something under one hundred dollars that every mom, since that's your primary kind of vocational calling right now, every mom should own? Mm. Oh wow. Okay. Last year we got this apple peeler and this is well under a hundred dollars. It's oh like gosh. $10 um, that you suction to the counter. You guys have one of these? No. You, no. you spear it here and then you, you twist it like this and it just perfectly takes the skin off. And it's just like this perfectly peeled spiraled apple. My kids like down apples because of this thing. I love it. Wow. <laughs> we will find that and link it in the show notes. That sounds fantastic. But I love this, the spinning uh, yeah, the apple. Apple peeler. The, the I don't know why that came to mind, but it is almost fall. So yeah, it is. So, you know, what are you reading right now? What's on your nightstand? Magnolia? My nightstand? No, actually. Um, I am in a, or a discipleship group at my church and um, we're actually just starting Knowing God by J.I. Packer, which I've never, never read. So that is on there. And then I also just started um, the Valley of Vision, which is totally, it's not like a book you really read. It's, it's a collection of Puritan prayers yep. and they have been like awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Great recommendations. We'll link to those in the show night show notes, knowing God classic classic uh, by Jim Packer who passed away this year. Yeah. Great book to pick up and, uh, and read as a kind of survey, you know, it's, it's almost like a, um, you know, it's basically like a basic theology book, but yeah, theology proper, but, but written almost more like a guide to holiness. Yep. So excellent. Okay. What's the worst? Oh, go ahead. I know. I just said, I'm looking forward to it. We're just getting into it. Good. What's the worst advice you hear given to people who are trying to start something, you know, young entrepreneurs? Mm. Um, Man, if we really wanted to get saucy, I could ask you the worst advice you hear given to young moms. <laughs> I don't know if I have that either. Okay. Well, <laughs> that they need a, a, a wipe warmer. You definitely don't need that. <laughs> There's a lot. Actually, right before I had uh, Harper, Michael and I, he did a medical rotation in um, Tanzania. And that was the best thing for me because I saw that like all they need is a mom and, you know, mm. like some love and some food and they don't need all the extras. They don't so need a wipe warmer. You do not they don't need a wipe warmer, but, no. um, starting they, some, it, I think just the, the roadblock of like thinking a lot of times when people are thinking about starting something, they have examples in their mind of like huge organizations and it's overwhelming to then get started, but just start with what you know and what mm. you love and God can do whatever he wants to do with it. He can keep it going or, it can serve its purpose for a time and then on to the next thing. But Love it. That's excellent. Yes. Excellent. Excellent. And uh, that was actually going to be my last question. What your, what's your advice? So just start something, start small, let God, you know, trust the results up to God. Um, yeah. And, and, and I love the uh, bad advices. 
get the the wipe warmer. Yeah, if 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 babies if babies learn to expect warm wipes, they're we, just we gonna be soft babies. They need to be they need to strengthen up, they need to get used to it. You know, life is gonna be like a cold wipe on your private parts at some point. Okay. All right, last question. Last question. All right. Uh, how do you get unstuck when you're when you're trying to press through something, whether this is in the home or you know, a, you editing dissertations or uh, starting a ministry. Uh, How do you get unstuck? What are some tricks that you use to break through? Uh, Honestly, probably I just use my husband as a sounding board all the time. And I feel like sometimes I just need to talk, talk things out with him. And uh, that's what comes to mind when you ask that is just kind of talking it through with someone that I trust and someone who knows me well, maybe even better than I know myself. And yeah, trying to figure out the, the plan forward. Excellent. Love that because there is a reality that I don't know everything about me. And in fact, the people that know me really well sometimes know things about me I don't know. Yep. And uh, not only that, but then when you when you kind of process through something with someone, even if you think this person doesn't care about what I'm, what I'm stuck with, uh, they might just see it differently. You might, have you, have you yep. thought about this? And it's like, I was about to. (laughs) I was just about to, and you beat me to it. Well, I want to thank you, Christine Gillette. Thank you for joining us here on episode 19 of The Hammer and Quill. We've got some exciting episodes coming up here in the next few uh, few weeks. We've got a a conversation. Actually, we're going to do something we've never done before. We're going to do an interview over a coffee tasting with our local barista slash coffee roaster named Phil. Phil. Wow. Phil is going to, and, and we're going to try to do this on video. I don't know how it'll be on. Finally, it'll be on YouTube. Yep. Uh, <laughs> and so, and so we're going to become YouTubers and uh, <laughs> we're going to, and he's going to teach us how to sip coffee, taste, how to smell it, what to look for, uh, and then talk about his own vacation. Yeah. We're going to do a little. We're going to have to do the. Yep. Yep. So. Uh, we're going to lose the listener. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to hear us. Okay. Okay. So we've got that. And then, and then the other one we've got coming up is Dr. Jonathan Pennington, uh, professor at Southern Seminary in Louisville. He's got a new book coming out called Jesus, the Great Philosopher. And that's released in mid-October. We're going to have him on uh, the week it's released and talk about that. And so, but anyway, we want to thank Christine for joining us today. Please follow the link in the show notes to see the good work that Freedom 424 is doing to combat human trafficking, and sex exploitation, and to do justice in our world today. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in. Please subscribe, review us on iTunes, throw some five-star reviews our way. Until next time, peace.